Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. A lot has happened since Kim Fox became Cook County State's Attorney. She's been an outspoken advocate for criminal justice reform and police reform, but she's angered the Chicago Police Union that feels she's out to get cops and some suburban police chiefs who say she's too soft on retail theft. Then there was the Jussie Smollett false police report case. Some people say Fox is vulnerable. Well, this week, we'll talk to the Republican who aims to oust her. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is former Cook County Judge Patrick O'Brien. He's the Republican candidate for state's attorney. He's Chicago born and bred. Pat O'Brien has been an attorney in this state since 1975. He's been in private practice and has had two runs as an assistant state's attorney, including time as bureau chief of the criminal division and chief deputy. He's also been an assistant attorney general. He was a circuit court judge for eight years. Now he is running to unseat Democratic incumbent Kimberly Fox. Well, because of social distancing, we are conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing. And Pat O'Brien, welcome. Well, thank you. And I appreciate, uh, Craig, the ability to talk to your viewers, who I'm sure are legion. <laughs> I would like to think so, but uh, thank you. Uh, the week, this week, uh, you highlighted a report uh, which argues that Kim Fox and five other top prosecutors around the country are not effective in uh, convicting criminal suspects. Now, the report is about prosecutors who are progressives or campaigned on uh, criminal justice reform. Tell us a little bit about what that report shows. Well, the report, uh, let's see, the report essentially said that the five state's attorneys or district attorneys from some Midwest cities, and um, I think there was one in uh, Texas, essentially because of their social agenda, were less likely to be successful in securing guilty pleas and convictions, and more likely to both lose cases and dismiss cases out of hand. And essentially, it it indicated that the social agenda experiment um, is not successful, and certainly in in Cook County in Chicago, I'm looking to end that experiment and put in a situation where the state's attorney actually prosecutes crime effectively. Now, Kim Fox has argued 
that some cases shouldn't be felonies or be prosecuted as such, like uh, low-level pot possession, which obviously some of those penalties have changed now, but also uh, smaller retail theft cases. What's your view on the, you know, the basis for a lot of what people are talking about when they say uh, criminal justice reform, which is the low-level stuff needs to be treated like low-level stuff? Well, obviously, crime itself has a spectrum, and you're not looking to put someone in the penitentiary for stealing a candy bar or stealing a uh, socks or a jacket, but essentially, Kim Fox has done something else. She's made herself as if she's a super legislator, state's attorney, and all of the roles that are, are occur with regard to a tri-party system of government, she's kind of accumulated into her own hands, which I think is inappropriate. She's become, she's nullified laws. So I'm in favor of prosecuting violent crime and sending violent criminals to the penitentiary to separate them from the law-abiding citizens. But I'm also in favor of prosecuting crime which is at a lower level, but not to, to put those persons necessarily in prison because we have a deferred prosecution system which was set up far longer before um, Kim Fox came into office. And there is an ability to basically direct persons who have committed their first crime out of the system so you don't see them uh, as an habitual offender all along the way. And I think it's a situation where Kim Fox has a peddles a false narrative in order to basically do nothing about crime, whether financial and low level or violent. So my point would be this. The state's attorney's office doesn't have to turn its back on the law abiding owner of uh, a 7-Eleven or a person who who, whose garage is broken into in order somehow to be able to prosecute effectively violent criminals. You can do both. What you have to do is understand that where the crime itself uh, doesn't involve violence and the background of the offender uh, is either has no background or has only a, a slight background, you're supposed to give them a consequence which reflects that, which may be a deferred prosecution, which will get wiped off the record, supervision or something of the sort. So this is not about um, Jean Valjean going to prison for stealing a loaf of bread. That kind of false narrative has propelled social agenda prosecutors into office. But it is a false narrative. And I think the people of the city and this county are seeing that. Let me bring up uh, a, uh, something that uh, the current state's attorney, Kim Fox, uh, does occasionally, and that is when she took office, she says more than half of the resources for the state's attorney's office, more than half the prosecutions were retail theft. And at a time where people are contending with the kind of gun violence that we're seeing every weekend, and I know we're going to talk more about this later on, but that that was a misuse of resources where you're spending more of your time prosecuting retail crime? Well, 
I can't answer totally for the last state's attorney, but I can tell you when I was in the office in the late 80s and into the early 90s, we could do both. We could actually chew gum and walk at the same time. And I will note this, that for all of Kim Fox's statement that she's directing resources to violent crime, her record shows something else. In each of the last three and a half years where she has been state's attorney, she has lost more gun cases than she's won. In 2019 alone, where the Chicago Police Department tried to get charges on 100 separate individuals for homicide, her office rejected those charges. So we've got a situation where she's not focusing on violent crime. She's not focusing on crime at all. Is it that she is not pursuing these things or are police officers not bringing her cases that are strong enough to survive in court? Well, all the gun cases get approved by felony review. State's attorney has a key position all along the set of, of, of decisions that are made from charging through bond through disposition. So every gun case that gets into the system as a charge as a, and they're felony cases, that's approved by her office. So if she thought those cases were weak, you don't approve them. What I'm saying is she approves them, they move along the system, they take far too long, they're let out on bond, they're not supervised, and at the end of this chain of events, she's losing the cases. I mean, isn't that what is condemned someone to, I guess, not getting a second term in office when they say that they're doing something and you look and see by their own statistics, they are not. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, people who are getting out on bond because that's obviously another issue for you. It's another issue for the, for, frankly, public officials all over. Um, now, Fox, her former boss, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle and Mayor Lori Lightfoot say that there are too many black and brown people in jail for minor drug cases and that there are too many in Cook County Jail awaiting trial for minor crimes simply because they can't afford bail. Are they wrong? Well, the bond system, the new system was basically touted by state's attorney and passed with her uh, support. And I would say this, there's a place for cash bonds. Certainly there's a place where you have someone arrested on a gun case who has committed a prior felony. So it's an aggravated, what's called UUW, which is an aggravated possession of a weapon. And to somehow let that person out on a low bond or to let them out without, with only a signature seems to me like you're, you're introducing or reintroducing another person who has a criminal record and is carrying a weapon unlawfully back into, into the system. So there needs to be cash bonds and there needs to be no bonds in some cases. And I think the state's attorney's office through Kim Fox has missed, missed the boat on all of this. That, and who is being hurt? I mean, the majority of persons who are arrested in Chicago with guns, according to police statistics and according to Kim Fox's own statistics, are African-American or, or brown. And they essentially, if, they're, if they should be given a disposition, which is jail, 
And if it's, if it's something that they've already been charged with, you should get them along that line where there's an outcome without letting them on the street, without supervision, to basically continue to carry guns and potentially commit crime. Now, do you have problems with the, uh, the, the metrics or the, that, that measure that uh, Chief Judge Timothy Evans established that's supposed to tell judges who should be let out and who, or, or who should be kept because they're dangerous? I, I do. Initially, when the new bond statute, bail statute, came into effect, Judge Evans replaced all five of the judges who were handling bond court with different associates. And I, I think the level of, of decision-making by those judges reflects the fact that they're handpicked by Judge Evans, and his agenda is basically not to have people get cash bonds, where in effect, they might, we might all be better served if they had cash bonds. And it's a level where if you give someone a bond or release them, I think you have an obligation, both as the chief judge and as the prosecutor, to make sure that those persons aren't out and about while trial is waiting, committing other crimes. We need a GPS, global tracking system, as part of the electronic monitoring. And just so, and I apologize for taking uh, one more minute on this. No, please. But electronic monitoring, so that as I understand it, and I, I believe it works, whatever residence you list as the place where you're going to be during the time you're waiting for trial, that bracelet that's on your ankle will go off when you leave the house and it's unpermitted activity. And that's the only time it goes off. When you're on electronic monitoring, there is permitted movement, which could be for a job, looking for a job, school, uh, attempting to get a GED through studies, or medical movement. And the, sh the sheriff's office has a list of those kinds of times and activities which are allowed uh, the particular offender. Okay. Now the problem becomes, once you leave that house, that bracelet no longer uh, has an ability to tell the sheriff's office where you are. So if you say you're looking for a job, you could be looking and standing on a corner committing illegal activity. And as far as the sheriff is concerned and that electronic monitoring bracelet's concerned, you, you haven't done anything wrong. And the sheriff only has 20 persons on a shift, so they, they obviously eight-hour shifts, who are now monitoring over 3,000 people on electronic monitoring. And a number of them, as the sheriff has indicated, are out on electronic monitoring where they're charged with murder. So is it, does it make sense for a state's attorney not to have some kind of handle on the persons that are waiting trial and essentially they're not on, on house arrest, they are out in the community. Uh, let me ask you a very quick, uh, quick question on cash bond though, because one of the arguments about the existence of it is that a poor person accused of a relatively low level crime might have, you know, a, 
be asked to pay $100 on a $1,000 bond and can't afford it, a, a major drug dealer could have a $100,000 bond and reach into his pocket and come out with 10000 and walk. That seems not to follow the kind of principles I think that you're, you're, you, you would want to have here. I agree, but first of all, I've got to say that uh, even before the COVID virus hit the jail, there were, I think, about little under 6,000 persons in jail, and there was almost no one in jail who could have bonded out with $100. And that's part of, in order to be able to sell this bond uh, statute to the public, you've got to I guess, talk about things that may not be supported by facts. There are people in jail, uh, hundreds of them, who are mentally ill. There are people in jail, uh, hundreds or more, who at $100 could, could basically bond out but don't have the $100. Quite frankly, that I don't think is the situation, that you really don't have mentally ill people in any big numbers in jail. Uh, because they're because they're mentally ill, and if they if they are, there's an ability to to have those persons uh, transferred over to Cermak Hospital, which is part of the jail. There's an ability, uh, basically, to to have them treated while they're there. And if in effect, uh, you know, it's not a violent crime, they're probably not in custody in the first instance. So the jail is is meant for people whose activity has basically made them uh, such that they're dangerous to, to people in the community while they're waiting disposition. Get that disposition uh, as quickly as possible. If, they're, if the evidence doesn't show they're guilty, then get them out of the system and the, give them their freedom back. A um, $100 bond, I, I am, would never have somebody in jail on a misdemeanor theft or a misdemeanor criminal damage to property. Who, who would be given a $100 bond and couldn't get out. That doesn't make sense to me. Those people are appropriate for either signature bonds or signature bonds with some conditions like electronic monitoring. I don't need a GPS tracker on somebody who essentially uh, you know, would have a $100 bond. It just isn't the, the truth of the situation. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking via Zoom conferencing with former Judge Pat O'Brien. He's the Republican candidate for Cook County State's Attorney. Uh, let's turn to uh, some more uh, immediate uh, concerns. I mean, every weekend we're hearing about dozens of people shot and several killed. Um, what can or should the state's attorney's office be doing about that? Okay. Uh, Craig, it's, it's the kind of question I think that has, uh, is on everyone's mind, not just the superintendent of police Brown and the suburban police chiefs and their departments, but on everybody who lives in the county or who travels back and forth into the county. Uh, as of uh, a little over half a year, we're at 353 homicides in the city. We're skyrocketing towards 600 or more. Uh, there have been over 1,400 shootings. And, and what you have to do is this. You can't see this as a police problem alone from a state's attorney's vantage point. 
State's Attorney Fox has to be engaged. When Superintendent Brown stood in front of the microphone after some of these most horrible weekends on a Monday, he was pleading for help from the other key partners in the system, and nobody was standing with him. He all but named State's Attorney Fox. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to have a unit in the state's attorney's office that has assistants that have gun, drug, and gang experience. You need to open up a special grand jury, uh, a second or third. You have the right to do that. In Cook County, and I don't know if Kim Fox knows this, we can have up to six grand juries sitting at one time. They can sit for up to six months, and the presiding judge can even extend them beyond that if the state's attorney asks. We need to basically investigate gang structures with the grand jury, which has subpoena power, which can put persons under oath. We've got to figure out where two gangs are shooting each other, and the, if there's a surviving victim, that victim won't talk about who the uh, other people are, and they, they probably, probably saw him, was probably face-to-face -face where they shot him, or they probably mentioned their name. We've got to get that person in front of a grand jury. And if they take the Fifth Amendment, we'll immunize them to the extent of the questions, who did you see with the gun in their hand? We're not going to just st stand by and let this kind of inter-rivalry take over the city. It's not vigilante time. One gang can't enforce the law against another or redress grievances or support and sustain drug locations. It can't happen. We've got to in interject law enforcement again into those situations. We've got to stand next to Superintendent Brown, get grand juries going. We've got to embed assistant state's attorneys with the gang the gang uh, police officers with their experience. We've got to target uh, the gangs themselves, whether in suburbs or in the city. And we've got to work until we uh, get people charged and convicted on these gang uh, homicides. And over 50%, according to the, the state's statistics with the city, are gang-related shootings. So half of those homicides that I've spoken about in this year, it's gangs that are, are committing them. And a lot of times they're hitting innocent bystanders, as we've seen. Um, one of the things that has, uh, that has been happening uh, in the last few years uh, is that some state's attorneys have been assigned to some of the higher crime police districts. Um, would you be continuing that? I think that's a political ploy by the state's attorney. There are about five assistants who are assigned to do gang, to do guns within either the south end or west side. But they're not handling the cases after they uh, are assigned to these districts. You cannot be in a situation, and it's not enough. Five assistant state's attorneys, I would enlarge this gang racket unit to 30. I would make sure that there were teams of three assistant state's attorneys, so at least 10 teams that are working with the gang officers in the city and suburbs that help in the investigations, that when they're charges, they're the ones approving the charges, and that when they're trials, they're taking those trials all the way from the time of the investigation to the time of the disposition. We have a what's called a, a RICO statute. Um, it's basically a, a racketeering statute. It allows the state's attorney now to go after gang structures, even though those gang hierarchies are not present at a shooting, at the sale of drugs, at any of the violent crimes that they're 
they're, are committed in their name. The last prosecution that was put together was under the prior state's attorney. The gang RICO statute has been in existence since 2013. And even though the, it was a black souls, they were convicted in 2017 or 28 and sentenced in 2018. But that case was put together by Anita Alvarez. This state's attorney has not used the RICO statute despite being in an office for three and a half years. The uh, fraternal order of police has viewed Kim Fox as anti-police. Uh, she would argue that she's anti-police misconduct. Uh, what, would, uh, what would change under state's attorney O'Brien? Well, first of all, the only way to support good police is when you see a bad police officer and you have evidence of their misconduct by prosecuting them. Because good police cannot be seen as good police if you allow bad police officers to continue to stain their reputation. And I would just note that the law doesn't uh, put anybody above its um, enforcement and it doesn't put anybody below its protection. It can't, it's colorblind, it's blind to whatever kind of occupation you have, it's, it's blind to whatever kind of activity you use. You're looking on facts and law to prosecute people that have violated the law. So I see uh, that there'd be a unit that essentially is discreet from the state's, other state's attorney's prosecution, that it'd be enlarged. Presently, the, the public corruption unit that, that Kim Fox has is half the size of the office unit that was there before, certainly in the 80s and 90s. So I'd have a discrete location. Those particular prosecutors would only prosecute misconduct. It didn't include political misconduct, something that is an issue now. And I think uh, the um, federal government seems to be alone in its prosecution. Let's not, let's, not, let's not basically make them alone. Why should they bear the total burden of prosecuting uh, politicians when in fact the state's attorney has the same kind of ability and the same kind of crimes uh, that they have authority over to prosecute. So you, you basically double the size of the co political corruption, which includes police misconduct. You keep them separate, so they're not handling any other cases. So the police officers on other cases are confident in, in the rest of the office. And you essentially prosecute them hard. And I'm gonna say one thing, I'm going to go down to Springfield and try to amend the current overhear statute. Right now, the overhear statute allows you to um, audio tape persons who have conversations where you're looking at guns, drugs, gangs. But curiously, the politicians excluded official misconduct and bribery. Now, I really don't know why they would exclude that. I don't think, Craig, you know either, do you? <laughs> well, that should be back in there. That should be in there. You shouldn't need one crook to basically say, you can record me talking to another crook. If we've got evidence of a particular crime by reasonable uh, evidence or probable cause, and people are gonna continue to talk about it, we should have the ability to go in and wire up a, a location. So when they talk about it, we can get evidence of it and charge them. Well, and you and I both know how difficult it is to get lawmakers to vote on something that involves lawmakers. Uh, let me ask yeah, you one, one political question, because uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, how does a Republican candidate 
win in overwhelmingly Democratic Cook County? Well, I'm going to start with a little history, and I apologize, but I'll try to make it quick. I've worked in the state's attorney's office for 13 years and then the Illinois attorney general's office for five. I've worked for Democrat and Republican state's attorneys and attorney generals. I've been promoted. I was hired by a Republican, promoted by Democrats, worked for Democrats daily, Cecil Parti, Jack O'Malley. It's a special office. You know, persons that uh, are get vic- become victims of crime, they don't care if you have a, 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 a state's attorney who is of their party or not of their party. They just care that you prosecute and do it based on facts and law. So I'm totally comfortable. And I've worked for the two Republican state's attorneys who in the last 30 years were elected in Democratic Cook County. I want a Republican, all the Republican voters to vote for me because I believe in the things that they, they believe in, which is personal responsibility and, and basically enforcing the law. And I want everybody else, Democrats, independents, however you characterize yourself, to vote for me because I believe that the particular enforcement of crime is not about the, pol- the policy label or party label you have. That's going to be the final word. Thank you very much. That is Pat O'Brien, thank the you. Republican candidate for Cook County State's Attorney. I thank you for spending the time with us. Uh, to thank our listeners, you. if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 